Welcome to Brain Trust Philanthropy, powered by Vitreo. We bring you free-flowing conversations with top thought leaders in philanthropy and the nonprofit sector. Sit back, relax, listen and enjoy as we share ideas and discuss topics that are important, timely, and we hope will transform the nonprofit world. Hello and welcome to Brain Trust Philanthropy, powered by Vitreo. This is episode 47 and it was recorded on Thursday, February 25th, 2020. I'm Vincent Duckworth. I'm a fundraiser and the CEO of Vitreo Group. We are a national agency focused on bold leadership and transformative fundraising. This is our third episode of 2021. For this episode, we were joined by Siobhan Doherty, a senior development officer at Dalhousie University, and by Katja Asomanning, associate producer of this podcast. Our topic, Millennial Mental Health. The declining mental health and increasing loneliness of millennials and Gen Z is not news. These trends were there before the pandemic, and COVID-19 has only made them worse. In Calgary, millennials and Gen Z are experiencing below average mental health and loneliness at rates five times that of seniors age 65 plus. These findings are being seen across North America. Join me and two amazing millennial leaders as we discuss what is up with these trends and what we might want to do about it. It's time for the Brain Trust Philanthropy Podcast. Welcome to episode 47 of Brain Trust Philanthropy powered by Vitreo. This is our third episode of 2021. Our topic, millennial mental health. We have two great guests with us today. They're excited to be here. I'm excited to be here. Let's get started. First, joining us from Halifax, we have Siobhan Doherty. Siobhan is a senior development officer in legacy giving at Dalhousie University. This is Siobhan's fourth visit with us on our podcast. She first joined us back in season two when she was still working at the University of Calgary and then again for two episodes in 2019, including one on mental health. Welcome back, Siobhan. We love having you with us. Thanks, happy to be here. Siobhan and I first met when we did some work together for the Association of Fundraising Professionals back in 2017. We became fast friends and have stayed in touch ever since. One of the most memorable moments with Siobhan was when she invited me to join her at a live LinkedIn event on managing your career when you have mental health challenges. It was an amazing event, but rather than have me tell you more about it, Siobhan, would you mind sharing a bit about how that event came about, how it was structured, and why you decided to participate? Yeah, so um, one of my, I worked in the McGill alumni team um, in Calgary, and one of my colleagues held these LinkedIn live events on a monthly basis, and his idea was to hold one about mental health in the workplace. Um, a topic which some people are really uncomfortable talking about to their managers um, or their colleagues, and some people are super open and comfortable talking to about their with their managers and colleagues. So he asked me to sit on the panel. There was a group of individuals, some of us with mental health issues and some people who actually worked in the sector of mental health. And we all kind of just talked about the importance of keeping your mental health in while working, whether you have a mental health issue or you're just you're just living every day in your workplace and how can we can support each other. It was a great event. I remember, I think there was like five of you across the table, uh, the, the, the stage, yeah. and we were sitting there. What I was so moved by were, were your personal stories. And I'm not expecting you to share all those, but, uh, but uh, th- that was what was so moving was the personal stories of, of, of living with and having a career um, with alongside uh, some reasonably significant, well, they're all significant mental health issues. I thought that was really moving and it really empowered people in the audience to think about that. I think it was a very inspiring event. So I just wanted to thank you for taking part in that and for inviting me. Well, thank you. And I appreciate you coming along to hear a little bit more about it. 
that was great. Thanks, Siobhan. Next, we are zooming all the way across the country and across four time zones to say hello to my friend and colleague, Katja Essamanning. Katja lives and works out of Vancouver, and she is involved in many terrific and interesting projects. One of those projects that is near and dear to me is her role as associate producer for this podcast. Katja books our guests and also puts each episode together into the magic that you hear on your podcatcher. Thank you for that and for everything that you do, Katja. Now, despite these impressive credentials, Katja has never been on a podcast. So we're thrilled <laughs> that you chose to be on this one as your first. So welcome to the on-air version of Brain Trust Philanthropy, Katja. Thank you. As you mentioned, this is definitely a first, but I'm probably the most avid listener because I'm the one that edits all the audio. So I, I have a really good context, which is helpful. <laughs> yeah, so me. Katja, I think, has edited... Uh, uh, virtually, well, all of them in the last few years. And how many times yeah. do you listen to each episode? At least once. Okay. At least, Often that, twice. Uh, that's good. I'm glad that you said at least once because I've, I've been yeah. well, sometimes once. Uh, <laughs> that's great. Um, thanks. So Katja and I have known each other uh, ever since um, Betraya was formed in 2015. And as I mentioned in her introduction, Katja is involved in lots of great projects. One of those projects is with an organization called Pink Flamingo. I'll leave it to Katja to tell us a little bit more about Pink Flamingo, but to set the stage, to qu the quote in the header of Pink Flamingo's Facebook page is, in a racist society, it is not enough to be a non-racist. Uh, we must be anti-racist. I could not agree more. Katja, can you share with us a bit more about what Pink Flamingo is about and your role in the organization, and maybe a little bit about what they're thinking or hoping to do in the year ahead? Pink Flamingo is definitely involved here. Um, we're a Black-led advocacy group, and we do everything from events, to workshops, training, education, and then basically facilitating the creation of safer spaces for QT BIPOC people, which is sorely needed everywhere. Um, one of the things that I'm really excited about this year is we are developing a community space in Chinatown. So you may or may not have heard about the mural that we did in 2020. So it, it was completed last year. It's beautiful. If you haven't gone to see it, it's uh, it's in Chinatown on 2nd Ave and 1st, uh, just behind the Chinese Cultural Association. I don't know if you've gone to see it, Vincent. Uh, but yeah, we're- I have, and Katja, just, to, just for our listeners, I think, it, that is this Chinatown in Calgary, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I, mm -hmm. I, I, we know you're in Vancouver and you're able to work across the world, but the, but the, but the, the mural that you guys worked on or the murals is in Calgary, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Pink Flamingo is based out of Calgary. Perfect. I'm just not. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And so it's very exciting. We're, I've, I'm learning so much. My position at the organization is logistics manager. We fondly refer to me as the dad because that's really my role. And that's everything from reminding everyone to wear a light jacket to um, a lot of running around, hence the logistics and almost anything else that kind of comes up. Right. And you guys so, are quite busy right now with, uh, the, is there a next iteration of the, of a mural or the project itself? What's the, or I don't want to spoil anything on your marketing either. You don't have to share things with me that we're not oh, supposed no. to know. Oh no, it's all good. Nothing is secret. So um, we received some money from city council to do a series of four murals by QT BIPOC artists. So uh, this summer upcoming, there are going to be four more murals uh, in and around Calgary, likely not as central as the first one, but uh to be determined and I will keep you posted. Well, that's great. That's a big project. And um, and I know it's not the topic of this podcast, it's the topic of, a, of years of podcasts, 
But the fact that those murals were controversial in Calgary, and they were controversial, and we don't need to go into all the reasons on why, but the fact that they're controversial almost said to me that there's even more reason why we should continue to raise the flag on this stuff, to, to actually be very active here. I know that, that um, the, uh, you know, the pandemic had so much things happening with it, but one of the things that happened that I don't think anybody could have predicted was the real um, rise in consciousness among non-BIPOC people of the sort of Black Lives Matter movement and things like that. And by that, I mean, not just going, oh, yeah, yeah, of course, we've got to do something about that sometime. But actually, you know, we've got organizations, most of our nonprofit organizations have as a standing board agenda currently, what is the organization's policy around BIPOC and, and, and anti-racism? That alone is a huge sea change. But there's huge parts of our population that are obviously you know, uh, are feeling differently about that. And that's where the controversy rises and raises the idea. And so one day I, in the future, I hope we can do a, a podcast um, on the Canadian idea that Canadians aren't racist. <laughs> let's, right, let's start laughing a little bit loud about that because that's clearly, <laughs> clearly that, 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 that's, that's not even comedy. Um, and so I think the idea that we need to have that conversation really was risen during this time. And so I just wanted to thank you and Pink Flamingo for doing that and everyone else well, is doing you. that. So, and I know that you, you feel very strongly about that. There's a whole other podcast piece about that. So <laughs> I don't mind if we talk about it today, but I'm just highlighting that we got opportunities. So thanks, Katja. Okay, let's get started. Thank you all for joining us on this, our 47th podcast. Today's topic, millennial mental health. A headline from Business Insider on October the 10th, 2020 read, lonely, burned out and depressed, the state of millennials' mental health in 2020. Cheery, right? Uh, Calgary Foundation's annual vital signs report in 2020 showed that 30% of those aged 18 to 24 felt lonely and rated their mental health as below average. The 25 to 64 group wasn't much better. It was at 15% and seniors at 65 plus, who we stereotypically think would be much higher, were at 6%. So that stereotype that seniors are the demographic most likely to be lonely, that is not what we're seeing here. Um, and this is not just because of the social isolation of the pandemic, although that certainly has not helped. If you Google millennials and mental health or millennials and loneliness, you will find plenty of articles on these topics, many predating 2020. So what's going on? What's up with this trend and what should we be doing about it? Siobhan, let's start with you. Where would you put yourself on the scale for your own mental health wellness and your loneliness uh, as, as someone squarely in the, mental, in the millennial uh, demographic? So first wanted to highlight the 18 to 24 year olds aren't actually millennials. They're our, yes. our younger cohort, That's our right. Gen Zers. Yeah. Um, but as someone who falls into the millennial category um, and I suffer from bipolar disorder, I put myself in this pandemic and outside of this pandemic as someone who finds themselves often lonely um, based on what's going on in my life. Currently, based on not seeing anyone because we're in this pandemic, it's extremely challenging. I'm a very extroverted person. And I get my energy from seeing others. So I find the pandemic has definitely highlighted um, the need to find energy within myself and to find things to do that fill my cup within my own home. And so that's where I put myself on the scale is I'm, I tend to lean towards the lonelier side. 
Well, thanks for being vulnerable with that, Siobhan. Um, you know, what, what did you think about those statements? And thanks for clarifying what Gen Z is and what millennials are. And, and I get that. Um, and I wasn't trying to, to put them all together. The topic is that the title is actually Millennial Mental Health, but I don't want to abandon. <laughs> My daughter's 15 and she's in the next room. She's not quite 18, but she's lonely too. So um, I'm just curious, like, like you had mentioned something about um, there were some articles that that if you Google these things, these are what the articles show up. And, you know, what were those? So um, interestingly enough, if you Google the topic about why millennials are um, particularly lonely, people often say it has to do with social media. So they're saying we're looking at social media, we're comparing ourselves to others, we're comparing ourselves to what others are doing in their lives. And that's why we're, we're so lonely. If the same thing would follow with Gen Z, they're a very social media driven um, cohort, they would also be so lonely. I think personally, that's an oversimplification. As a millennial, um, if you look at our job prospects, if you look at the debt load we carry, if you look at the current um, things happening in the world that we're all very attuned to, climate change, the anti-Black racism movement, the pandemic, those are all things that are top of our mind and are making us not feel quite as connected to, I think, everyone else in the world right now. Okay. Great. Well, I'm glad you brought that up. And I want to bust that some of those stereotypes. Obviously, social media is a differentiator. And maybe there's a little thread of that, but it's not the label we want to place on this all by itself. Katja, what are your thoughts? You've heard uh, where Siobhan is and, and uh, you don't have to tell us whether you're lonely or not. But if you want to, you can. Um, I have a very interesting relationship with loneliness as well. Um, Loneliness is very personal. I don't know if either of you have ever watched the TED, TED talk on, um, I believe his name is Guy Winch. I'd have to look it up, but on emotional hygiene. And he tells this beautiful story. He has a twin of like, uh, you know, 30, 40 years ago when you had to have phone cards to make phone calls overseas. And he tells the story of how on their birthday, they were meant to have a 10 minute phone call and they had saved up all month to have this phone call. And the night came and he waited and waited all night and his twin didn't call and he was sad and lonely and like curled up in the fetal position. And then the next day um, he discovered that his phone was off the hook. So he had felt all of these intense feelings of like sadness and loneliness and abandonment. And and it was um, heightened because, because it was loneliness. And so it's like very personal and it's very debilitating because we're, we're meant to be quite social creatures. And so the thing that I'm always remembering is like, We've removed the main way that we have or that we have known to connect with people because we've had to remain isolated because of the pandemic. And it's like, it's nothing to shake a stick at. We literally can't just go out and have coffee with a friend when we're lonely. Uh, I have a a friend that I I met here who's also from the East Coast, actually. Um, And uh, they were saying that they feel like they live alone so when they see a human being live alone they work home on the rare occasions they go out and see a human being they feel a buzz because they haven't seen a human in real life in so long and it's 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 real yeah. i mean if you don't live with with other people like i have a million roommates so i don't feel loneliness in that way in the same way but like i luckily i see people every day but i also am noticing i'm i'm quite an introverted person but that has like gone about a hundred times more strongly since the pandemic happened, even walking down commercial and there's maybe 10 people on the street. I'm like, it's too many people, you know, Um, we're all changed. We're all irrevocably changed. And the isolation, physical distancing, um, and then the ever present fear and anxiety around a pandemic 
um, is really important context for why millennials or I would argue all of us are, are having mental health struggles and feeling lonely. Personally, um, when people ask me how I'm doing, uh, it's I'm staying afloat. Spring is coming and me really anticipating that time when we can maybe gather, hopefully fingers crossed, a little bit outside in a safe way. Um, but I'm constantly reminding myself, like, you're doing great. There's a pandemic out there. It's okay that you're not having, your capacity is not what it once was. And it will ideally come back. It will hopefully come back again. I have high hopes for summer, but we'll see how it goes. I also think it's important to note pre-pandemic as well. I think millennials or the younger generation, we are more comfortable talking about our feelings. I think that we are more comfortable saying, this is what I need. I am lonely. I am not okay. I need help. So when we're asked in a survey that comes out, do we ever feel lonely? We don't bat an eyelash and honestly admitting, yes, we feel lonely. Whereas I think other people might see that as a downfall or something that they shouldn't be admitting out loud. So I think that's an important factor to note as well. Do you think that might be skewing the results? Katja mentioned that there's, everybody's lonely and I don't disagree with that, um, but maybe certain demographics are less likely to check off the box on how they feel lonely, whereas millennials are, as you just mentioned, more likely to put it in there. I'm not suggesting that that's skewing the results as in <laughs> that they're wrong, but I'm just wondering if there's maybe underrepresenting non-millennials and over-representing millennials. Maybe. And I also think um, the older generations have went through life for a longer period of time. So maybe they're used to this feeling like they're we're, we've come into adulthood now as millennials. We're working, we're doing like our days often look the same where they're getting quite monotonous. That's highlighted with the pandemic. So maybe we're just not used to this is the way life gets when you get older. You move oh, away my from gosh. You, I, I, you know, that sort of thing. So. That's a great observation, but it's also super sad for someone like me where I'm going, oh, I decided to settle on the fact that I'll be lonely. <laughs> millennials are going, I'm not saying that's definitely the, <laughs> I'm not saying that's definitely the case. I'm just saying it could be the culprit. Yeah, I know. It's possible. It's totally possible that we just sort of get used to it. It's interesting uh, that alleyway of uh, the perpetual groundhog day, especially during this pandemic, right? Pre-pandemic, people were saying, well, I'm tired of the daily grind. I don't like being on the hamster wheel, all that kind of stuff. But during the pandemic, it's literally the same thing every day, right? And I feel like it's it's that's really hard, right? I see you guys nodding. Definitely. Feel free to wait. And I, mm -hmm. I think, too, you're, it's hard when you're working from home. I know some people are back in their offices, and I have to say I'm very envious of those people. Um, but when you're working from home, like there's this – you can't separate work and home anymore. Everything blends together. And it's just this, it's just this blob of life that doesn't feel as fulfilling as it did when you were, you could leave off work at the office and then go out and do things and fulfill yourself in other ways. Now I'm my laptop sitting at my dining room table. And if I'm making dinner and I hear an email buzz, I'm going to answer that email because it's my workstation is right there in my home. So yeah. it's changed a lot of things. Yeah. I feel like we're all living in one big space station. Right. And we're and we're talking back to uh, all the other people in all these other little space stations. <laughs> and I can't imagine. I, I, I don't see it as being that fun. So I, I it is an interesting time. Katja, I see you thinking um, maybe you've got something you want to share. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was just thinking about um, also like millennials are right now at a really interesting time. We're starting to see some shifts professionally. Just just uh, by the, in the, by the nature of our age group. 
and also it's it's not easy making friends as an adult (laughs) I would argue and especially like (laughs) taking out yeah right like taking out the context of things um Siobhan you were talking about you're going to be attending a conference but it's via zoom so it's not it's not going to be easy for for some of that networking to happen in a way that maybe feels natural for you I think we're all kind of just adjusting I would be really interested to see what these kinds of statistics look like next year and and which groups ha- are learning to adapt in how how we connect with others um, and how we gather in space and how we relate to others and how we how we communicate within within that um, within that connection and I'm I think of like I have found myself I, I'm just remembering remember the beginning of pandemic when we were getting emails being like hey don't you know pay your bills immediately now and then banks kind of shifted to be like hey you know there's a lot going on. Um, how you doing? And like being a little bit more trauma informed in how they communicate with us. And I feel that shift in myself personally as well. I'm I'm much more gentle in how I communicate. I'm much more um, much more uh, focused on uh, checking in with people. Like if I haven't heard from someone in a while, I'll just send them a quick text, being like, "Hey, I love you. Are you okay? Good. Yeah. Okay. Good." Um, I find that that's been really helpful. I think that there are a lot of ways to adapt and we're just learning because as you said, we're coming up on the one year mark or we probably have just passed it December officially, but we're up on the one year mark of official lockdown. And like, especially depending on where you're living in the world, I have a a lot of friends that are in Europe and they've been on lockdown for, you know, months and months and months. And they're like, woohoo, it was sunny today. I got to like go outside and not be in my house for the last six months straight. All of these things just are like reminders that there's a big context that we have to take in into consideration and give ourselves a little bit of a break, a little bit of breathing. There's at least three, there's at least three uh, threads that we could pull on there. Uh, I've got, uh, I know which one I want to pull on. Vincent. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to turn to you right in a second. But <laughs> articulate them so that we can come back to the other two that you didn't grab onto. Um, Cause don't, don't share it. Don't tell me the secret yet. Don't, don't let it out of the bag. <laughs> um, uh, so uh, one of them is the change Our listeners would, I think our listeners would benefit from hearing, (laughs) I think, I think we, we put millennials into this box that was set in time of the, these youthful people in this particular spot and all this stuff and, and whatever we were informed by when that first generation, the generation, and, but, and you just talked about the changes catch it in our professional lives and stuff. And you've also talked to me about that as well, Siobhan. So that's one of the threads. The other one is actually the, the, uh, the be kind aspect. Of, of of being gentler with people. I mean, Bonnie Henry is famous for saying, you know, be kind, right, uh, to people. And and she's, you know, the, 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 those folks have really risen as leaders and 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 icons in our society. And the the third one is not such a big deal, but it's one I've been thinking about a while. Is is uh, you said friends in lockdown in Europe who are so happy for a sunny day, uh, and you know, I'm and I that's what I felt was because Canada can have some brutal winters, not just the temperature, but the darkness. Right. And, uh, and the inability to have a full day. So that those are at least three threads. Which one did you pick or was it totally different from those? It was totally, it's totally different. Where are you going? Um, When Katya started, she said, it's hard to make friends as an adult. Oh, perfect. And I just really wanted to say, absolutely. It is hard to make friends as an adult. I moved back to Nova Scotia two years ago. Um, I grew up here in Nova Scotia and it has been harder for me to make friends in Nova Scotia then it was ever hard, difficult to make friends in Calgary. It is challenging as an adult to make friends. Um, 
I just, I think that's a really important thing to remember because if it is, if we're saying this is social media and we're looking at all these people with all their friends out in public and we're feeling like we can't make friends wherever we are, that's going to make you feel even more lonely. So that was a really good, I thought that was a really good point. And then on the, one of the threads you pulled out, Vincent, where millennials are at in their lives, like we forget millennials, (laughs) the oldest of the millennials are in their late thirties. Like millennials are having children or have had children for years, or they have mortgages or they're five steps ahead in their professional career, whatever path they chose, but they are no longer the people who are partying on spring break on the beaches that are spreading COVID. Like that's not who millennials are. (laughs) It's so frustrating when you're a millennial to be put into that bucket um, of, oh my gosh, look at the irresponsible decisions millennials are making. I'm like, I'm wearing my mask, sanitizing my hands. Like I'm at home with my dog. Like I have a mortgage payment. give me a break I'm not not that there's anything wrong with our Gen Zers I was doing the exact same thing when I was their age I'm sure if I was had been around a pandemic I would have been one of those people ignoring all the rules um at 19 but it's hard when people view millennials as kind of you're not this hard-working group of individuals when we're now coming into our professional workplaces and we're managers and we're we're moving forward and we're moving up and we're no longer those like young kids people are thinking of we're your colleagues yeah, I, um, I, Katja, I want to give you an opportunity if you want to tag into some of that, but I have a comment, maybe a mea culpa, uh, a little falling on my own sword in a second around that. But Katja, did you have anything you wanted to respond to around what Siobhan just said? Um, I just, I, I'm with you all the way. If you see me snapping, I'm, I, that's my clap of agreement. Oh, that's awesome. He, he hit it right, at, right on the head. So, yeah. so I'll, I'll, I'll dig into my mea couple, Please which is right in line with the presumption that was wrong of where millennials are at. So uh, as, as you both know, I, I have had uh, the responsibility over the years of, of the marketing side of Betrayal. And so on the social media side, I have kept very strong controls around um, which channels we want to play in. And so we've played in uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter. Um, but I have been asked, uh, like, where are we on, um, Instagram? And I said, well, the people who are the influencers are not on Instagram is what I said. And, uh, and then I started to have this cold realization. And when I say cold realization, I mean, the one that is at the bottom of your spine and you realize that you missed a really important thing. And, and, and it's because of your, your preconditions, your pre-thinking, the way that you're just sort of situated in your own demographic. Because when we brought on a new marketing coordinator and she asked, why aren't we on Instagram? And I said, well, it's a visual medium and, you know, the, the, the board chairs and all those, they're not on there. And they're not. But the people they listen to are. And that was the really cold realization that I had was, holy crap, the influencers are millennials. They're the ones in their late 30s now when they're looking around the table at a nonprofit or a large organization and they're saying, you know, who do, who do you guys think we should talk to? And 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 they think about who's relevant, who's on top of things, who's got who who actually is living stories. And I'm not I'm not trying to pin this saying every millennials on Instagram. That's not what I'm saying. But there are more millennials on Instagram than they are on Facebook and things like that. So, I interesting um, that I missed that and it's because I thought, well, the influencer just, you know, the people that are influencing more and more every year, the decision makers are millennials. And that's, and you know, go ahead. You know, what's interesting. I, I'm, I was like, why would you think that? And I was like, that's because you're not as much 
active on Instagram yourself. Oh, so perhaps sure. you don't it's, see. It, 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 it's yeah, a, it's a classic case of 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 saying it's go even back to. Um, um, uh, we talked uh, in the, during the introduction about a whole podcast we could do on, on anti-racism. I think that's also in that piece, right? So if you've got in Canada, a lot of Canadians my age who, who, who may quote unquote not have ever experienced direct racism because we're not in uh, an unprivileged space. And so we say there isn't any. Right. The same thing. You know, if you're not on Instagram, it's yeah. not vi- viable. If you've never actually experienced racism, it doesn't exist. And a whole bunch of things like that. So, um, mm. and by the way, I was not trying to equivocate racism to social media, but I was just trying to indicate that that thought process and that channel could go there. So I just think that there's an interesting shift that needs to happen. And I want to bust some, some more stereotypes. What other threads do you guys want to pull on today? You talked about uh, loneliness lack of making friends as an adult, the fact that your professional lives are starting to um, really move forward and someone else has missed that. What else do you want to talk about? There was something that you had brought up um, and it was about Instagram. I just was also going to point out like um, I have three jobs. We've talked about two of them. Um, And I spend a lot of time on Instagram for work. Um, and not just doing social media, because I'm not a communications director, but um, doing a lot of community outreach. And especially, again, we're doing a pandemic. Uh, for one of the projects for Pink Flamingo, we had to do community consultation. And it was like, okay, cool. How do we do that when we can't be anywhere near people? And it forced us to get really creative. And again, that's like going back to adapting, adapting how we make connections, how we reach out to our community. Um But it is also a thing, uh, a friend of mine recently stopped going on Instagram and was like, wow, my anxiety disappeared. Right. Yeah. And it's real. It's highly real. Because of the bubbles and because of the the way that things escalate and the the algorithm actually escalates it for you, right? Um, And it's not even in the interactions. It's not like they're like getting fights on Instagram every day. It's literally just like, you know, these apps are designed for us to just keep scrolling endlessly. They are. And, and that's where there's some pro- built-in procrastination happens. Yeah. I find myself doing it all the time. I swear sometimes I black out and I wake up and I'm scrolling through Instagram on my phone and I'm like, how long have I been here? Not really. That doesn't really happen, but that's what it feels like sometimes. Quite a and surprise. You're, you're sometimes scrolling through your phone. Like I, I'm married. You're sometimes scrolling through your phone while you're with your partner. Like yeah. that's you're not even using the time to make those like personal connections or with you're with friends you're with family sometimes we'll go over to my family's house at, like for on a Sunday we're allowed to do that in Nova Scotia so we'll go over there and like different siblings will be on the phones and I'm guilty of it as well and it's we're not even using the time that we can make genuine human connection to make genuine human connection because we're using it to connect with people we don't know on a social media platform and take in their content of what's important should be important in our lives and I just mm-hmm. think that that's, I think that's problematic. And I don't, I don't think it's just problematic for millennials. I think it's problematic for all generations. And you see it, I, my biggest pet peeve, and it's, it's never a millennial who does it, but in a meeting, when you're in meetings in person at work and someone's on their cell phone, and sorry, Vincent, it's always your generation. They're on their cell phone during meetings. <laughs> that's real. I'm like, excuse me, get off your cell phone. What? You're not allowed to do that. Or, like, so I think just the intake of no, technology. You're, you're absolutely right. And, uh, and I won't say that I'm not guilty of it. I'm less guilty of it. But there are many people in my generation uh, and uh, that, that, that love to point out 
that millennials don't have real relationships. Look, here's the stereotypical of the two of them at dinner, both looking at their phones. As they're mm-hmm. saying that in a meeting, they're the ones who are listening to the chirping and, and buzzing of their phone and saying, sorry, I have mm-hmm. to take this, which I find mm-hmm. ridiculous. Um, and I I would, you're right. Go ahead, Katja. Sorry, I was going to say, I would point out that a lot of that is also self-soothing. Right. I don't know if that's something that y'all know about, but like, um, you know, playing games on your phone or something yeah. like that. Like it's something to like well, try to calm well, our the, nervous system, but it doesn't work. No, unfortunately. no, no. And this is the problem that we have. <laughs> the to opposite recognize. is true. I mean, yeah. the, I, I didn't know if we were going to go down this alley, but it's a good alley because um, it's widely reported. It's widely researched. It's widely understood that the algorithms are not in our best interest. I'm not talking about the money side of it. I'm talking about the mental health side of it. The fact that they can, um, that they, that they, that they, you get a dopamine hit in those games and therefore you want to, that's the, like the self-soothing, soothing thing. So it's, it's, it's like an addiction with all of the bad aspects of an addiction. Right. And so, yeah. you know, it, it, do people say, well, I mean, I can't imagine someone becoming a heroin addict as they're infinitely scrolling through the, the, the situation the same. My worry is, and it's interesting on the mental health side is, is okay. So for, for everyone has mental health challenges, Let's put that on the table, everyone at some level. That's why they're calling it the echo pandemic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yep. so, um, but for folks who are actually on medication for mental health uh, challenges, you know, bipolar disorder or something that's actually been diagnosed or deep depression or any host of things, what does this look like for them? Right. Like this, it, I almost feel like it could be. It looks it looks real awful, Vincent, <laughs> as someone I'm on currently on six different medications for my bipolar, which is a heck of a lot of drugs to put into your system. Um, but I like am constantly going to like my psychologist and talking about my relationships with technology, my relationships with my family and that sort of thing. And like the habits that you get into and the good habits you need to build. So the things you need to be doing that isn't looking at your phone. So when I take my dog for a walk, I don't I don't listen to anything usually like I usually just like actually go and I take my dog for a walk and I enjoy being part of the outdoors. And like, sometimes if I'm in a real bad mood, I'll listen to a podcast or I'll listen to some music, but I don't particularly, usually it's like, this is my time to be with my dog. And that's like one of my healthy habits that I've gotten into. It's that's, I would say technology definitely and comparing yourself to other people viewing social media or things like, for example, colleagues and I were talking this morning about diet culture, being on Instagram and that sort of thing you're intaking all the time can only negatively affect you. I'm not saying get rid of social media. I'm not saying never use social media. I'm just saying we need to be more conscious about what we're taking in when we're using it. Mm-hmm. I'm hearing from you, Siobhan, something that I also think is really important and that's to infuse mindfulness into what we're doing Absolutely. at all times, if possible. Um, I was going to say pandemic really highlighted for the world <laughs> um, the mental health needs of our society. Uh, and like for me, what that's looked like is, uh, or for my community, I know tons of people that in the last year, went to therapy for their first time, explored uh, different versions of treatment for their mental health issues. I personally have also been medicated for depression for some time now, but it was like, it became like the number one thing. 
because we were we were all on lockdown. We were isolated and terrified for ourselves and our family members and like anyone that we know that's older or you know has um, other underlying conditions. But it's it's really it's made us look at it in a really great way. And I would love if I know we probably don't have a lot of time left, but I would love to talk about things that we've done that are like helpful. Our listeners benefit and would benefit from what you're seeing as things that work. Like even as simple as what you said, it's not simple actually, Siobhan, to go for a walk with your dog without your headphones on, right? When you said that, I actually got a little uncomfortable. Because <laughs> when I go for a run, the first thing I do is load up my music. It's it's a habit. It's an addiction, right? Mm-hmm. It's not it's not the worst mm-hmm. habit or addiction, but it is one. Um, and I have talked to runners uh, who run and deliberately won't do that because it it actually is better for them to actually be out there and be mindful and 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 even though music doesn't seem like it's taking you off that mindful path, it can sometimes do that. So yeah. what are some other things, coping things that you're, you know, really work or would be advice that you give to our audience on how to be, how to get over loneliness, how to think that, like be better and self-care around depression, et cetera. I think um, <laughs> I have a few, I have a few. I, um, I think if you're fortunate enough that you can afford a therapist, go and get one. I don't care that it, you have, I don't care if you have any mental health diagnoses, anything, if you can afford a therapist, go and get one. If you can in your workplace happens to have services like the employee assistance programs, use them. Um, I know that comes from a place of privilege. So if you can't afford to do that, I there are the channels you can go through the regular mental health system within our hospitals and within um, the public sector. Those are very challenging. So I commend anyone who's going to try and do that. Um, Siobhan, just before you yeah. get off that, I, I'm, you, you're probably aware of this, but we're a little bit aware. The Canadian Association of Mental Health has branches across the country, and most of them have a drop-in facility with peer support yeah, counseling and and real therapists. I'm, I'm not saying that the peer support aren't real, but 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 trained therapists in a drop-in setting, and they're actually quite high caliber. Yeah, great. So if you can use those, use those. That's my biggest suggestion, especially in the pandemic. But I think anytime, um, get into doing like get into a routine. That's the biggest thing for me. Um, and it's it somehow seems like you might be like the routines monotonous, but I don't mean you have to plan every single second of a day. But make sure like if you are going to go for walks, you go for a walk every day, or you try to at least and you make sure you do your meal planning and healthy eating like those healthy eating and exercise really, I cannot say like enough about how important those are to impact your life. And then the other thing that I think is really challenging to do is if you're having issues with your mental health, talk to your like boss about it, like have the conversation about Mm -hmm. I need to flex my day based on this. So I recently had a conversation with my boss where I said, I'm taking a new medication. It's really affecting me. So I'm going to flex my day. If I need to take off time in the middle of the day, because I'm sick, I'm just going to take off time and work different hours. Is that okay with you? conversations that are uncomfortable to have, but it's going to, your boss is going to understand and it's going to be, they're going to appreciate you coming to them with that vulnerability. And it's going to make you a better employee if you can work when you're well, as opposed to trying to trudge through the sickness or the difficulty. Take off those mental health days. Like a lot of employers now you have mental health days or you have sick days, take those days. Like you're given them, take them if you need them. Mm -hmm. Those are my suggestions. I love that. I hear some of your tips and tricks too um, around this and uh, calling them tips and tricks is actually a disservice. They're actually really important things to Mm -hmm. do in your life to make happen. 
Um, mm -hmm. I love your comment about talking to your boss, Siobhan. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and it's, it, it is one of the nice hallmarks of the millennial generation that they, 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 they actually will have that conversation more often than not if they, if they think about it, whereas other generations feel like that's not something, it's a stigma associated with a mm. bigger stigma. And, and there's a stigma with it in your generation too. I'm not suggesting it is, but the way I see it with my mental health condition is if I, if I work for a boss or an organization that has a problem with my mental health condition, again, this comes from a place of privilege. Um, I don't want to work there. I don't want to be part of that company culture. I don't want, so I've been very, very fortunate where I work now is very flexible with my mental health issues. Um, so I think it's important to have those open and honest conversations and have them with your employees. If you're a manager, like get, make sure your employees are telling you how they are doing. So not necessarily specifically about their mental health, but just how are they check in, have those conversations, like make it a more honest and open workplace so it, that you can shift the culture. Oh mm -hmm. man. I, as soon as you said that, I went, Oh, I haven't done that. I have like, I, there you I, go. There's I, your think, reminder. I, I think I've encouraged that because I've gotten that feedback from, but I haven't actually had that as a actual, you know, a comment, a formal comment in, in a staff or team meeting. I really love that, 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 that you encouraged uh, managers and leaders to do that as well. Um, so that, that they can, they can actually open the doors for everyone to feel that way. That's such a great comment for me. Thank you for that personally. Katja. You review yes. Siobhan's. What do you want to add in? Yeah. So um, I made a small list as we've been chatting and you covered most of it, Siobhan. Um, I would highlight, especially, yes, if you can get therapy, please get therapy. It will help. It will make you feel better. I promise. Um, exercise. I would add being in nature. If you have access, I know it's really stinking cold in a lot of Canada right now, but spring is coming as soon as it's here. As soon as you can, please get outside. Um, mindfulness has been become like a really important staple of my life. I have like a funny pandemic story, which maybe I'll tell you all after about my mindfulness moment when lockdown first happened. Um, having a I can tell you now I had this one day where, um, you know, I, I had gotten some water on my phone and I plunked it in a bag of rice, woke up the next morning and accidentally upended the bag. So a whole bunch of rice in the carpet and this was, I think, probably like March 16th or something or 18th. And I sat there and I grain by grain picked up the rice. It took me about an hour. <laughs> there was a lot of <laughs> and then after I was like, what did I just do? But I was like, but I feel so calm. And so that was my indicator that like maybe a little bit of mindfulness would be helpful. And also that I was not doing great. That was my... <laughs> reminder in that moment um but also yeah having a routine like I have a morning routine that I go through it includes things like having breakfast and drinking glasses of water and it's very simple if I do all of it at once it maybe takes an hour I never do it all at once usually I'm not even done it by nine at night but that's okay because I try again the next day um and then the things that I would add I love Siobhan when you said mentioned checking in I think checking in in all areas of your life is really important right now. I having been on like the managerial side and like the employee side, because I have many jobs um, it, both ways. It's always great. It's always more information for people to work with and then they can, um, they can assess what they can do for you and how they can help. And that's like a great way for us to kind of work through some of this stuff together. And that's like a great way to build connection. Um, and then the last thing I would add is 
it's a really cool time to to build really unique connections with people because we're all a little bit more vulnerable than we were a year ago let's be honest um and so things like if you're thinking about someone reach out to them they might have been thinking about you too you might have a really great conversation i've been speaking to people that i haven't spoken to in decades that have reached out to me like on facebook or something like that or seen something i posted and it's been really meaningful and especially because we have removed a big part of how we connect with others this is like a great way to bring some of that back and adapt just like give somebody a call give somebody a shout if you're thinking of them poke them on facebook do what you got to do but it will become i think even more necessary to remind ourselves that humans are highly adaptive and that's the only reason we're still around that we can get through this by making some changes those are awesome suggestions and uh, ideas. I, I The routine, the exercise, the nature bathing, as we call it, getting out in nature. Nature bathing, right? yes. That's, that's such a great concept. Um, the, the silver lining for me in COVID, the, on the first shutdown especially, and a lot of people have talked about there's a lot of differences between the first shutdown and the second shutdown. And the, mm -hmm. like the mental health shift in the first shutdown was there. But then in the second shutdown, it, it was even worse because people went, oh, man, I mean, again and then and then all the coping things that they were trying to bring into place in the first shutdown were not being put into place in the second shutdown for me one of those was uh, uh in my mind i used to call it uh i wasn't drinking while i was doing it but it was kind of like drunk dialing on facebook um i would go to my mm -hmm. facebook friends group at the end of the day and i would find people i haven't talked to in a long time and i just pushed the video thing and, uh, and, and they would, and, and, you know, for the first, the first time it happened for a lot of people, they didn't know what was going on because they had never used it. And so their phone is ringing, but something's not like what's going on. And then finally a few, but, but what's interesting is that, uh, that, that it was, it was really good for all of us. They really like, once we, I did connect with people um, that they, they really appreciated, we appreciated the opportunity to have those connections um, and, and they were people that I hadn't talked to in a long time or would, you know, had always, you know, I should probably talk to them. And they, the nice thing about this technology is that it doesn't matter where they are in the world. So Melody Song, I don't know if you know Melody Siobhan, but she, mm -hmm. but she's an amazing person. Good friend of mine was in Calgary. Her and her husband moved to Berlin. And uh, so <laughs> on Facebook, I, sometimes I'd be situationally unaware and it would be four o'clock my time and she'd be brushing her <sighs> Um, so, uh, why she answered Facebook while brushing her teeth, I'm not sure, but she did. And so she'd be brushing her teeth and we were talking. And so yesterday, one of her birthday messages to me and a reminder when she says, I miss those brushing my teeth calls, Vincent, let's get together. Aww. Right. I mean, it was, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it was, it was like that. So it, it kind of made the world in some ways smaller with the technology. Mm -hmm. Like you can literally reach out anywhere on a Facebook or a something thing and, and, and get somebody that, you know, and spend five minutes and it's meaningful. Siobhan. The first, the first lockdown had like this air of like doing that, like you connected with people and you, you spent time on zoom and you did these fun, like house party games and you did like games nights with all different people zoomed in. And you did all these things to like, make sure we were connecting. But by the second lockdown, we've all been working at home, staring at our computers. Everyone just seems exhausted yeah. like I, it seems exhausting to go out of your way to connect with people in another way so I think we need to 
I think we need to adapt and figure out how we're going to move forward and what our new our new reality is going to look like and how yeah. we can connect with people regardless. Yeah, and I do think you need to pick up and reconnect with people again. I started doing that again, sort of the the Facebook uh, random dialing, right? And, and you know, no setup, no nothing. Just if you pick up, it's great. If you don't, I'm moving on. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. And and it was I was giggling. What, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. No, I was just going to say, I was giggling when you first mentioned the random Facebook uh, video call, because I, re- I was on the receiving end of a few of those and I was going, what? Am yeah. I in trouble? Oh, <laughs> no, like you'd be outside, right? You'd be outside sitting yeah. on a bench or something like that. Yeah. Like, end of a day. I'm at stuff. the beach. What's up? Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, but what's nice about that is sometimes it's just a quick ch- check-in. It doesn't have to be long, right? You, you know, like it's just mm-hmm. like, hey, somebody was thinking about me. I was thinking about mm-hmm. them. I need to think about somebody else. So I think that's great. Um, so we have had an awesome conversation and I, I want to keep this conversation going. I'd love to have other um, uh, threads of this come forward. Uh, no surprise. Um, we're not short on things to talk about on this podcast. In fact, earlier on, I wonder if we have time. Yeah, we make time. So uh, we appreciate, I appreciate that both of you took time to do this. So thank you, Katja. Thank you, Siobhan. Um, but before we go, I want to give our, our listeners, our audience, a chance, uh, give you a chance to, to share with them whatever you want. You can talk about what's going on at your institution. You can talk about uh, uh, a promotion that you're working on. You can talk about a, something we didn't talk about, or you can underscore what we talked about during the, the podcast. But if we could do that, that would be awesome. And, and you know, I'm going to give um, uh, Katja you first and then Siobhan. So maybe Katja, what do you want the list, our listeners to, 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 to take away from today or, 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 or think about with Pink Flamingo or whatever? Mm-hmm. Um, the first thing I would say is if you haven't gone to see the mural yet, please go and see it. It is stunningly beautiful. Um, again, it's on 2nd Ave and 1st Street. Um, I'm just, I feel very proud to be in Calgary. I feel very proud to be part of that team and part of that project. And, and the artist Jay Sterling is just so talented. Um, that's the first thing. And then I would also just like, as a reminder to others, uh, echoing Dr. Bonnie kindness, just remembering kindness in our interactions with others and, uh, and, and checking in checking in has become like my favorite thing to do on all levels with everyone I know. And that goes for work relationships. It goes for personal relationships, people I live with, everything that's become so important. Um, and then lastly, yeah, if you are interested in checking out some information about the space that Pink Flamingo is building, go to pinkflamingo.ca. There should be some information there. And thank you so much for for letting me come and speak today. This has been really special. You're awesome. See, now you now you you got over your first podcast jitters, and you were great. Um, yep, yep, exactly. <laughs> Those of you who can't see this because you won't see the video, but Catch is busy flipping her locks back and forth as very very pro move. Um, so I'm I'm glad that you highlighted uh, that people should go visit the mural. They absolutely should. For people who aren't going to get to Calgary, or aren't in Calgary, can they see it online? Is there imagery associated? Yep. Is it yeah, absolutely. Website or do same they thing. If you, if if you go to pinkflamingo.ca, yeah, there's actually a, there's a a time lapse of it being painted, oh, which awesome. is really cool. Or cool. if you want to see some more images, if you go to Instagram, Pink Flamingo on Instagram or Jay Sterling on Instagram. Perfect. You can check out some more of his artwork. And yeah. And, and we'll, put, we'll 
we'll put all of that in the show notes. So uh, the pink flamingo, the Jay Sterling and stuff like so, because we do want people to see this stuff. Um, you know, murals are an interesting thing from my perspective. Um, they, most, first of all, murals are very public art, literally, literally public art. And so I have a bit of a, an understanding of background in that. And, and oftentimes they're like all great art, but particularly public art, they're trying to get something across right and and there's there's, mm-hmm. there's something there that we need to pay attention to it's not just something it is beautiful to look at it's aesthetically there but there's also a message and that's what i love mm-hmm. about murals and i love looking at murals siobhan over to you um so just want to highlight um i am here to talk to anyone who wants to talk about mental health they want to talk about mental health in their workplace they want to talk about mental health in their personal life you can reach me on my LinkedIn. You can reach me um, through my Instagram, which I'll also share the handle for you, Vincent, so you have that. Um, if you want to talk about mental health in your workplace and how to talk to your employees about mental health in a positive way, happy to have those conversations. And as always, I'm happy to talk about legacy giving. <laughs> That's what I do at Dalhousie. So if you want to talk about estates-based giving, I'm also very excited and passionate about that as well. Um, and I just appreciate the opportunity to be here and speak today. It was great. And I think... Um, Everyone just needs to remember whether you're a millennial or not. Um, if you're feeling lonely, reach out to someone. That's great. Well, thanks for that, Siobhan. And, um, and you'll see it in the show notes, folks. But if you want to Google Siobhan, because both her first and last name in their pronunciation are not how you might think you should spell them. So it's S-I-O-B-H-A-N and then D-O-H-E-R-T-Y. Did I get that? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Sayobahan Doherty. Doherty. <laughs> What's that? I said Sayo Doherty. Oh, Sayobahan <laughs> Doherty. Perfect. Yeah, yeah the, the phonetic unspelling of. Well, thanks for that, yeah. Siobhan. You're awesome. With that, our gift of another Brain Trust Philanthropy powered by Vitreo has been committed. Well, that's about it for this episode of Brain Trust Philanthropy. I hope you'll join us next time when we focus on trends in arts and culture philanthropy. We'll be joined by Andrew Mosker with the National Music Centre, Bronwyn Dearlove with the National Arts Centre, and Michelle Stanners, Senior Counsel with Vitreo Group. Until next time, take care, stay safe, and stay sane. We look forward to talking with you soon. Brain Trust Philanthropy is powered by Vitreo and is produced by Nicole Nardi, Katja Asselmanning, and me, Vincent Duckworth. Brain Trust Philanthropy is produced in beautiful downtown Calgary, Alberta. Follow our show and engage with fellow listeners on Twitter at Vitreo Group. That's at sign V-I-T-R-E-O Group. You can listen and subscribe to Brain Trust Philanthropy on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or by visiting our website, vitreogroup.ca. Wishing all of you success in your mission, peace in your lives, and hope in your hearts. I'm Vincent Duckworth.